Hi, I'm Tony Hines, and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. This is the News Roundup, all things impacting global supply chains this week. Employment levels are at an all-time high in the United Kingdom, and output has actually gone up, only by a small amount, but it's going up. Inflation has fallen back. It's only 9.9% in the United Kingdom this month, year on year. And that's after continuous rises for the past year or so. So that's really good news. It's falling. And in the United States, inflation is also falling back. So let's hope it keeps falling back. The main cause of the fall in inflation in both the United States and the United Kingdom is falling gasoline in the US, diesel, and in the UK, petrol and diesel. So with those prices going down, that's actually helped inflation fall. Food inflation, of course, is still rising in the United Kingdom. It was reported at 12.7%. So that needs to come down too. But obviously with transportation costs falling, that might fall back a little also. There'll be a bit of a time lag, no doubt. And the other interesting news that popped up this week in the UK was the real fall in wages due to inflationary pressure. So wages have actually slipped back by 2.8% year on year as a result of inflation. So lots to take in on the economic front, but uh, also on the supply chain front, there's other interesting news to report and we'll get to that in just a moment. Rail strikes in the United States are likely to cause serious problems. This has been rumbling for a while and it's been reported in the press, that 10 of the 12 unions representing railroads have reached agreements for new contracts with management. Two outstanding unions, which represent engineers and conductors, have yet to come to an agreement. If they don't settle on a contract, a strike could commence as soon as the weekend, which would mark the first national rail strike in 30 years in the United States, and it would pose serious problems for supply chains, as well as for commuters. It's looking more likely that there will be a strike and letters have been sent to Congress urging them to reach a settlement. It's estimated the strike by the Association of American Railroads could cost the US economy $2 billion a day. With supply chains already facing problems and rising inflation, it's very important to get this strike resolved. The strike could badly hit the apparel and footwear industries where most of the products are brought in by container ship and then through intermodal transport moved on through railroads. And the American Apparel and Footwear Association is greatly concerned that this could impact those industries more than some others. And they've written to Congress too to express concern. Inditex is a global fashion group and they have brands such as Zara and 
pull bear. And they've accelerated the sourcing of clothes from Asia. They want to stockpile inventory ahead of potential supply chain difficulties that they foresee in the next six months. They said this week, in the face of possible supply chain tensions, it's temporarily increased production in order to increase product availability without any change to commitment levels. Oscar Garcia became the Spanish group's chief executive last year, and he told analysts that garments made in Asia, where Inditex procures basic items such as underwear and T-shirts in China, India and Bangladesh, are under threat. He didn't elaborate on what particular issues might be, but this is obviously a contingency plan to ensure that there's sufficient inventory as the Christmas sales period arrives. Inditex, through its Zara operations, has been the leader in fast fashion, and it operates quick response production of fast fashion items in its factories in Spain and Portugal and other sites in Europe, Turkey and Morocco. The value of inventories at the Spanish business at the end of July was said to be 3.67 billion euros, and that's 43% higher than the same period this time last year. It's acknowledged by Garcia that the inventory level has to come down, but it's a difficult balancing act. In the past six months, Inditex has increased its sales by nearly 25%, close to 15 billion euros at the end of July, and its net income is said to be close to 2 billion euros. DHL provides contract logistics to operate supply chains in many countries in the world, and it's said it's about to invest 500 million euros in warehousing facilities during the next five years in India. It wants to expand its warehousing capacity, its workforce and sustainability initiatives. The expansion is likely to add about 12 million square feet of warehousing space in its existing businesses in India, and it will take the total capacity to about 22 million square feet by 2026. Now here's my three top tips to keep supply chains flowing. Focus on the customer, make sure they're satisfied, keep inventories low, and keep an eye on the cash. Make sure the cash is flowing. In, not out. And three operational tips. Diversify the supply base, source ethically, and keep things in control. So that might mean having the right balance between global trade, nearshore, onshore, and farshore. Balance, balance, balance. Well, this week, Vladimir Putin met Xingji of China. And it was a little frosty because I think China is becoming upset at the war in Ukraine because it's impacting on their economic plans. And also this week, President Modi of India has also said that the present age is not one of war, making it clear to President Putin that they're not best pleased with what's happening in Ukraine. Now, this is significant because both China and India are Russia's two biggest customers for the gas supply. 
since Europe has lowered its requirement. Also in Europe this week, if you've been following the energy crisis and what's been happening and you've been listening to the Chain Reaction podcast where I talk about energy in Europe, you'll be aware that they've made plans to fill their capacity ahead of the winter. And this week Germany went a step further and has taken over three oil refineries run by the Russian company called Rosneft. And that's to secure supplies in Germany. It said they didn't do this lightly. So I think patience is running short with the treatment that European countries are receiving with regard to energy from Russia. Tesla says it's planning to double sales in Germany in this uh, next year. They want to double sales every year, which will translate into about 80,000 units in 2022. In 2021, Tesla sold 39,714 vehicles in Germany, and the carmaker has built its first European gigafactory in Grünheide, near Berlin. You remember a couple of weeks ago I was talking about the gigafactories developing in Hungary. So quite a little sort of uh, European central area, eastern Eastern Europe area, developing new capacity for batteries. Reuters reported this week that uh, the Canadian dollar has fallen to a two-year low and it also says that uh, the underlying pressure driving inflation in Canada is likely to peak in the fourth quarter of the year, although many see the rising prices becoming entrenched and they warn a recession may be needed to avoid a spiral. Apple, of course, has released its iPhone 14 lineup this week and it reported that the i14 models contain a Qualcomm chip that can talk to satellites and have additional custom-designed Apple components used in the phone's biggest new feature, according to an analysis of the phone by iFixit. Apple released the iPhone on Friday, this version 14, and its major feature is, of course, to connect to satellites, to send emergency messages when there's no Wi-Fi or cellular data connection. The Qualcomm chip provides 5G connectivity for the cellular networks and it's using band N53, the frequency band used by satellites from Global Star. Amsterdam Schiphol Airports announced this week that they were reducing passenger flows by 18%. And this is a result of a shortage of labour at Schiphol. Now, I'm not sure how many of you know this, but uh, there's a global supply chain pressure index which is run by the New York Federal Reserve. And apparently that fell in August for the third straight month in a row. And it's at its lowest level since January 2021. The bank's index, which has data on shipping costs, delivery times, backlogs and other statistics into a single measure, is down 57% since its peak almost 18 months ago. 
but it's still significantly high above levels before the start of the pandemic. One of the major factors that's eased the pressure is the improvement in global shipping. You'll remember we talked about lots of holdups, boxes in the wrong places, the wrong time, not being returned, dwell times being too long, and of course, lockdowns, closures, and more latterly, there have been strikes. But the ports apparently are working their way through these backlogs. It's been slow, but uh, they're apparently getting back to some form of order from the chaos. Shipping times are shortening, and delays are being removed from the system. The Trans-Pacific route from China to the west coast of the United States is now down from 12 days to less than two days. That's the delay, remember. It's not the travel time, it's the delay. And that's helping to free up capacity on other shipping lanes around the globe. So we're seeing marginal improvements, and hopefully that will get back to some semblance of normality. So long may it continue. Shipping costs were about 5% of the total cost of a product before the pandemic, and in recent months they've hit 20% of that total cost. So quite significant, really. So hopefully this good news will lower the cost. Benefits for everyone. What we'd like to see next, of course, is strike actions resolved, China lockdowns removed on a permanent basis. COVID go away or be severely minimised by the vaccination programmes and the war in Ukraine ended. We want to end all those military operations so people can just get on with their lives as difficult as they are always in normal times. Now, one of the things that caught my eye from Germany this week was that they're experiencing the same type of problems we're experiencing in the United Kingdom with regard to CO2, a shortage of CO2, which is making it difficult for producers of food packaging and processed food production and, of course, beer production. So they're suffering from the same problem. And this seems to be a growing issue. The German Beer Producers Association have said that they're quite concerned about the situation. Of course, it's caused by the increase in gas prices, which is making which is making the CO2 too expensive to produce, of course. It's exactly the same problem that I explained about the two producers in the UK who make CO2 for the food industry. They've both stopped now, and they supply CF productions, that is, supply around 70% of all the CO2. Now in Germany, similar problem. The ammonia prices have fallen, the gas prices have gone up, and the CO2 is a byproduct of ammonia production, and it's sold on to beer producers and the food industry. So they've got exactly the same problem. Solution not been found yet, of course. Gas prices will have to fall. Energy costs are starting to impact firms and will hit employment during the recession as well. So I think we're going to have a difficult period in Europe until the war in Ukraine is resolved. I saw some figures this week about 
the number of insolvencies in the United Kingdom, and that was approaching 2,000 companies. may not seem much. Most of them may be smaller companies, but it's 2,000 companies fewer as a result of the economic uncertainties. And of course, costs are going sky high, and it's the energy cost that's causing a problem. I saw a very sad case of a, a farm butcher in Yorkshire who was closing his business after about 20 years or more, and he was saying how hard it had been to try and keep the refrigerators fueled up with energy. And of course, there's nowhere to pass on the cost, because the consumers can't afford the product if he adds the energy bill to the meat product, and it's a vicious circle. So he's decided to pack it all up, and there'll be more like him in the coming months. Well, that's it for this edition of the News Roundup. I hope you've learned something. Drop by and listen to the episodes you've missed, and also pick up the new midweek editions as they happen. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. I'll see you next time. Bye for now. Chain Reaction is written, presented, and produced by Tony Hines. Hi, I'm Tony Hines. I'm here to tell you about the Chain Reaction podcast, all about supply chain advantage. I've been researching and writing about supply chains for over 25 years. I wrote my first book on supply chain strategies in the early 2000s. Each week we have special episodes on particular topics relating to supply chains. Now we have a weekly news roundup every Saturday at 12 noon. All things impacting global supply chains in that week. So come and join us on the Chain Reaction podcast. I look forward to seeing you there. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. Bye for now.